Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Uh, we talk uh, occasionally around here, uh, often every announcement time that we do, uh, about the Church Center app. Um, if you've been hearing about that, you're like, I have no idea what people are talking about. Go to your app store. You download an app called Church Center. You tell them you go to East Hills, and you'll find all kinds of information uh, about us. Different, again, different events going on. Those are the ways we normally talk about it. Uh, also, in there, you'll find links to different things, um, and you will find a little groups tab. Uh, you can click on that, see what small groups are gathering and open and contact leaders, uh, an awesome way to take a step into deeper community. Say, actually, uh, rather than just um, knowing that I sort of kind of belong to this group of people, I actually want to do life with them. Um, and uh, so you can connect that way. Uh, one of the groups that you'll find if you click on the groups tab does not actually meet ever. Um, and uh, it's just called the prayer group. And it is essentially um, an extension of uh, what used to be a, a prayer chain, I think started as a prayer chain like 30 years ago or something. Uh, if you remember what a phone chain is, right? You, somebody call you, you call the next person. Nobody under 30 has any idea what I'm talking about, but <laughs> you call the next person. Anyway, um, some churches uh, used it as a gossip train. I'm going to assume that this, this church did not. Um, and uh, you would simply pass the prayer request down. At this point, um, we have a, a, there's an app for that. Uh, there's a spot. That's also a reference. Nobody under 30 knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, there's a spot now where you can click on the link and go, uh, uh, yeah, I uh, have this big need that has come up. Um, it is an opportunity for us to, uh, to post in there uh, prayer requests, needs, hey, so-and-so is in the hospital, those those kinds of things. Um, occasionally, somebody has just posted, I'm having a terrible day with some details. And we go, yeah, let's, let's pray for that. Um, again, a way to be community, to support uh, one another in our, our church community. Um, so I, I want to, uh, knowing that that exists, <laughs> I want to ask perhaps a, a strange question. Um, why do we pray for each other? Uh, which may be a, a weird question for, or an unexpected question for a pastor to ask from the stage, but, but why do we pray for each other? What's, what's the, the, the point? And um, if uh, your answer to this question is uh, because we're supposed to, um, I, I am so glad for you that that is a satisfactory answer. It is not for me. Um, and this is one of those uh, questions, uh, it's the first question in your notes, this is one of those questions that um, I feel like every answer turns me into a greater critic. <laughs> like every obvious answer felt like it, it led me to a, well, yeah, but. So we pray for each other. Because we need God and his healing and his strength. That is absolutely true. Well, yeah, but does God really wait to heal until 45 people pray? Like, like why do we need to share it with, with everybody 
Certainly God has healed because one person prayed. Certainly God has healed just because God wanted to. What? Why do we pray for each other? Um, we pray for each other because it is so encouraging to know you are being prayed for. There's something about knowing that your uh, community, network, whatever, is, is praying for you and the thing you're going uh, through, lifting you up, um, it's just really encouraging. Well, yeah, but <laughs> does that mean that this prayer group exists mostly to encourage people? Like, like, are we just there to make people feel better because they know that somebody's praying for them? We pray as a community because people say, and you've maybe seen somebody post this or heard somebody say this, um, like somebody would be updating in the middle of some long-term thing they're going through. And like, hey, these are the things that are going on. Just wanted to update you. Please keep praying because we can feel your prayers. So we pray because people can feel the, the prayers. And that is in and of itself encouraging. It's, it's encouraging to them that they can sense people are praying for them. It's encouraging to those who are praying, going, yeah, we're doing something. They can feel it. Well, yeah, but does that actually make biblical sense. Like there's no example in scripture that I can think of or could look up where somebody feels the prayers of other people. So, so what's happening and why are we doing it? And truth is, I haven't even asked the really hard question yet. So let's do that before we go any further. If God, quote, already knows what's going to happen, why do we pray at all? You've heard people say this, God, God knows what's gonna happen. We, and we say it in, like a, in a way that either uh, helps comfort ourselves or comfort somebody else. God knows what's gonna happen. It's okay. I, this is one of those questions that, that I would get asked in youth ministry all the time. Like, because uh, one of the things that is so amazing about teenagers is just because it's always happened that way carries zero value for them. It's lovely. If God already knows what's gonna happen, why, why do we pray at all? Um, I'm gonna tip my hand here a, a little bit, um, uh, mostly because I already have. Um, I'm one of those people that you uh, play cards with, any sort of card game, and, and I, I, I'm sort of looking at the table, and my wife is always trying to tip the cards back, like don't show me your entire hand every time you, okay, I'm one of those people. You guys are rolling your eyes already, like, oh, I hate that guy. Yeah, that's me. Okay. <laughs> In this case, I'm doing it on purpose. Tip my hand a little bit because I sort of already have. Like, we have a prayer group because we believe that it is, in fact, good and godly to pray for each other as a Jesus-following community. And we're hosting these in-pursuit gatherings over Lent uh, because we think that turning our hearts to God in prayer is a good and healthy choice for every person who is following Jesus. But I'm also going to try really hard to take these questions, and, and I have tried really hard to not formulate pat answers that just sort of like, hey, um, let's, let's just give you a, something that, that makes us all feel a little bit better and, and we'll be on our way. I, 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 um, I think these are legitimate questions. And I think we come to Jesus with our wrestlings and our doubts about everything, um, with our cynicism, with our hope, 
And, and we actually engage with the questions and legitimate questions deserve legitimate answers. So I'm gonna do my very best to give those. I don't promise that they will feel satisfactory to you. Um, I, I just wanna take the questions seriously. So if, if you also have serious wrestlings and doubts about what it means to pray and why we would do it and um, what's the, the point, um, well, that's what we're gonna explore together this morning. I, again, if, um, if you've never really had any doubts about prayer, if, you've, um, if it's always sort of come naturally to you or felt um, natural to you, uh, well, uh, welcome to the wrestling um, and let's, uh, let's wrestle together. I, I think... Um, Again, part of the reason why I love that teenagers have zero value for it's always been that way um, is because most of the rest of us should have less value in it's always been that way. Um, and they provoke that in us. Um, so let's go beyond the obvious and, and dig into some of these questions. Uh, before we dive too far to sort of set us at a, a level spot here, one of the ways that we have defined who we are and who we want to be as the people of East Hills is to say that we are everyday people following Jesus every day. And so we've begun 2024 talking about these daily habits of taking on the gifts of God to help us stand firm in our daily lives. And this language of taking on and standing firm is uh, the language we find in Ephesians chapter six as Paul, an early church planter and author of, uh, ended up being about half the New Testament, although he was just trying to write letters to his friends. Um, he, he uses this, this language of, of saying, hey, here are some gifts of God that we should every day take on like, like we're getting dressed. And he calls it the armor of God that helps us stand firm um, in all of the tumult and wrestling and questions and doubts and attacks in this life. And he's writing to people who simply claiming that they were following Jesus, put their lives on the line. And he is saying, okay, so here's how we're gonna stand firm together. We're going to commit to the truth. We're going to commit to righteous living. We're, we're going to live in and share the peace that comes from the story of Jesus and all that he has accomplished. And daily, we are going to hold on to faith and we're going to remember who we are in Christ, that we are adopted children of God and we are going to engage with scripture. And then after listing all of these things that we're going to do uh, every day, Paul writes this to his friends and fellow believers in Ephesus. This is Ephesians chapter six. I'll start in verse 18. Paul writes, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul is imprisoned for his faith, trying to continue to do the right thing. He wants to share the message. He wants to share it boldly. And so he asked them to pray for him. Why? Why, after all of this language of taking on and standing firm, does Paul immediately turn to prayer? Like the action steps have been taking on the gifts of God to be able to stand firm. And then he says, okay, and your action step here is to continue to pray. 
to pray all the time, or as he says in a different letter, this is 1 Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying, or in other translations, pray continually, pray without ceasing, to pray at all times, he says. But why? I mean, come on, Paul, you're either going to be bold or you're not. You're going to preach the message or you're not. What does God have to do with that? What does my prayers have to do with any of that? God is going to do what he wants to do. What what do my prayers have to do with any of that? What part do we play in all of this? I I think the answer uh, to these questions um, I think can be broken down into three categories. Um, Those three categories are not in your notes. So what I would like us to do is to say them out loud together so we know them. So you're going to repeat after me. You ready? Discipleship. Discipleship. So good. Formation. Formation. Participation. Participation. Okay. Participation. Participation. Formation. Formation. Discipleship. Discipleship. Good. You guys are so good. Okay, Uh, participation. Let's start here. Prayer connects us to the actual battle. Prayer connects us to the actual battle. We've referred to this verse in Ephesians uh, 6, every sermon of this series, because if we're going to be taking on the armor of God, if we're going to be standing firm, it's important to know what we are taking on this armor for, what we are standing firm in. What, what exactly are we thinking is going to knock us over? And we may think of lots of things as we go through our daily lives, but Paul is actually really clear on what he's talking about. In verse 12, he says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly Places. Paul says there is a spiritual battle that our senses are not telling us about, but it is very, very real. And there's something about engaging in prayer, oftentimes physically closing our eyes to the world around us, although there it is not required anywhere in the Bible for the record, but oftentimes closing our eyes, I need to, or I get super distracted by all the things going on, and, and, and saying, okay, I am connecting in some way to a spiritual world that is just as true as everything my senses are telling me is true and that is easy for me to forget about, but is the actual battle we are engaged in. And and if you're not familiar with uh, Christianity or if the Christianity you're familiar with is is more of a a just feel better Christianity, this, this can sound really weird and maybe a little creepy, but there is a spiritual world going on around us in some way that God is inviting us to participate in and equipping us for as we take on the gifts of God that we have been talking about. Prayer reminds us and connects us to uh, the spiritual battle. So that's participation, and we will come back to participation. But first, let's talk about discipleship. Like a third of you are still awake. And that's really good for this point in the sermon. I feel really good about that. We're doing good. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about discipleship. Um, Jesus invited people to come and be disciples. 
This would have been a normal practice for a rabbi like Jesus in his time to invite people to come and follow along with him. Uh, John Mark Comer, uh, who's now out of LA, uh, an author and speaker, he was in Portland for a long time. Uh, he says that maybe apprenticeship is a better word for our modern language to think about what they were being invited into doing. That sometimes discipleship may be one of those church words that's overused. Um, so maybe apprenticeship helps us think about what they're really being invited into. If you think about an apprentice on a job site, they're just going to follow their master around doing whatever that person does, watching how that person engages with other employees, engages with whatever the task is. Only these apprentices of these rabbis, they were learning life from them. So they did all of life together. When Jesus slept, they slept. When he ate, they ate When he was doing ministry, they were right there. When he's having conversations, they're right there. When he's rebuking people, they're right there. They are there for all of it. Because the invitation to come and be a disciple can also be broken down into three parts. That you are invited to be with your master, to become like your teacher, your rabbi, and then to do as they do. That as disciples of Jesus, as apprentices of Jesus, we are invited to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do as Jesus would do if he were us. So part of why we pray is we pray to be with Jesus, to actually spend time, sometimes in intentional conversation. If you're in any significant relationship, significant friendship, romantic relationship, whatever, at some point, I hope you take time to actually stop and look them in the eye and have a conversation as part of how relationships continue and how they grow, as you take regular time to be with them. But also, Jesus has promised that he will be with us. Paul's invitation for us to pray continually is a recognition of God's presence with us at all times. And so it is not only taking some dedicated time to sit with Jesus, to be with him, but also to talk to him along the way to be with him in your going and your doing. Uh, We will talk about the um, becoming like in in just a second, but discipleship is be with, become like, and then do as Jesus does. And so this is probably the closest to a uh, um, very churchy answer I'm gonna give today, but I have to give it because it's true. Um, We pray because Jesus prayed. (laughs) We pray because Jesus did it. That if we're everyday people following Jesus every day, we want to be with him, we want to become like him, we want to do what he does. And we regularly see Jesus get away from ministry and away from people and connect with heaven, connect with God. And this gets to some complicated theology that we've talked about before. We spent a whole night on it in a class last fall, um, which is not nearly enough to go through the theology of the Trinity. I will not try to dive into it too deeply today Suffice to say for now that the Christian belief is that God, there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that Jesus is the Son in that Trinity, and that the Jesus who walked around this earth was fully human and fully God. And yet even this fully God, fully human Savior took time in his humanity to get away from the ministry from other people and connect with his heavenly father, to connect with heaven, to connect with God. Some of this simply being because Jesus knew what he was inviting people into. He was inviting them to be with him, yes, 
to become like him, yes, but also to do what he does. And so some of getting away is clearly for his own health and his own benefit. That is a good practice. It is also an exemplary life. It is an example of what we need to do as well. Again, that, that we would take the intentional time to be in that relationship. Now, we also see Jesus engaged in the ministry, uh, praying and talking to heaven, talking to his heavenly father as, as he uh, engages in the ministry. We even hear him a couple times, uh, Father, I say this out loud for the benefit of all these people. You already hear me. I'm saying this so they hear me, implying that Jesus is probably doing a lot of talking to God that we don't ever hear that he is praying continually as he goes along. So we pray to be with Jesus. We pray because Jesus prayed. Now, I, I did sort of skip over the, the middle step, the, the formation that we're being formed into uh, being more like Jesus. We pray for participation, for discipleship, for formation. Now, I did hesitate to call this one formation uh, a little bit because formation is part of what happens in discipleship, right? Like that's the becoming like Jesus. We're being formed to be more like him. But I want to highlight this um, because prayer is where we submit ourselves to being formed. I suppose I could have called it submission, um, but that would have led people's brains in all kinds of weird directions. Call it formation. This is where we submit to being formed. And this submission, this giving ourselves over to God to form us is really, really significant and important. Especially if we think about the consequences of God listening to what we ask for. Now, maybe you have never thought about what the consequences are of God accepting our prayers or doing what we ask. I'll be honest, I hadn't really either uh, until I read this book um, uh, by the late Tim Keller, who was a pastor and author out of New York City. Um, and he called his book Prayer, which is really helpful because now I know what it's about. So Tim Keller, Prayer. Um, I wanna share a, a couple of quotes from this book as we talk about prayer this morning. And I wanna start with this one for no other reason perhaps than because it's my favorite. I just really liked this one. Uh, he said this, if you have a personal relationship with any real person, you will be regularly confused and infuriated by him or her. So too, will you be regularly confounded by the God you meet in scriptures as well as amazed and comforted. So your Valentine's date this week, honey, sometimes I am just confused and infuriated by you. Uh, but I am by God too, so you're very divine that way. Or so, I don't know. This is why. <laughs> when will be the first to tell you romantic is not in my top 10 skills list? Uh, I'll work on it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, all right, maybe, maybe don't take my advice on that. Um, sometimes... We seem to come to God expecting God to match our logic and our priorities. Which is weird because we know other human beings don't match our logic and our priorities. Um, sometimes young married couples seem to think the other person is going to match. It, 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 no, no. Different priorities, different logic, different expectations. Why do we think God would match our logic, our 
priorities. And, and if you think about it, we, we don't really want that to be true. Like, we don't want God to think with our logic, our priorities, our limited perspective. Maybe think about it this way. How much wider and wiser is your perspective than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Because you can look at you 10, 20 years ago and go, whew, that person needs to be formed. Now, well, 10 years from now, you're going to look at the now you, go, whew, that person needs to be formed. We don't want God to have our limited perspective in, in that way. I can look back at me 10 years ago and go, whew, that dude has some growing up to do. And yet, 10 years ago, me wanted to go to God and say, and here's what I need you to do. And I know you're going to agree with me because this is so good. I thought about this a lot. I got a really good plan. But you're going to do it this way. Another Keller quote. What thoughtful persons, knowing the limits of their own wisdom, would dare to pray if they thought God would invariably give them their wishes. Endless stories of genies, lamps, and wishes illustrate the almost cliched truth that our desires are, as we have seen, discordantly arranged and often fatally unwise. In other words, <laughs> um, we have messed up desires and messed up wants, and our stories are littered <laughs> with this because we know it is so part so much part of the human condition. He continues, however, there is nothing to fear. God will not give us anything contrary to his will, and that will always includes what is best for us in the long run. And he refers to Romans 8.28, which we'll get to in a second. He continues, we can therefore pray confidently because he won't give us everything we want. Some of our greatest frustrations with God come when our most desperate prayers seem to fall on deaf ears. And some of those prayers are legitimately good. God, would you heal? God, would you fix? God, please stop the hurt. God, please take me away from this horrible situation. I know some bits of some of y'all's stories. I, I will not stand up here and pretend like I know the depths of the pain that any of us have gone through. I don't know what desperate prayer for rescue you have prayed. and It felt like God did nothing. And I'm, I'm not gonna try to defend or justify God. I don't, I don't think I have good answers for why it seems like God's answer to our prayer sometimes is about being with us. It's about his presence and his comfort and not the rescue that we're asking for. And, and certainly for, for me, 
when I end up in uh, situations that I want God to, uh, to pull me out of, to rescue from, to, to fix, um, and it doesn't happen, um, which it turns out it does not take much for me to throw a little four-year-old temper tantrum to God, actually. Um, I think the way that I argue with God, I think the way that we argue with God in general um, is interestingly revealing. Like, like when God isn't doing what we think he should do, what we know he should do, what do we say? We say things like, God, but I did all the right things. God, I've been serving you for this long. I've been doing all of the right stuff. Since I found out I was gonna need a rescue, I definitely got rid of all that sin stuff. I've been living the right way. I've been doing the right things. God, I did it right. God, I said the words in prayer that that book and that preacher said would get me to your throne room and you would hear me and you would answer me. God, I'm doing things the right way. God, don't you know? that this thing is awful and evil and it needs you to fix it. This can't be right. Has to be something you would do something about, preferably the thing that I want you to do about it. Like somehow God is surprised at how painful life is for us. God, don't you know? Or like somehow our behavior has earned us the ability to tell God what to do, to tell God what is, what is good and, and right. And that doesn't logically make sense. We can go, okay, well, that's not right. But still, still really want him to do the thing. <laughs> so there's a lot I don't know. Ironically, the thing uh, I do know is that we can actually be grateful that God doesn't do what we want all of the time. That doesn't mean that all of the time we're gonna like it <laughs> or that it's gonna feel good or seem good even. But we can be grateful that God does not answer our prayers the way we want all the time. My messed up desires and wants and perspective would, would make a mess. And I, again, I know that my answers uh, for some are gonna feel really unsatisfactory as to why God doesn't stop all the bad things, especially the ones that seem really obvious. On the flip side, I can't imagine how much bad would be created if God responded to every earnest, loving, faithful prayer with, you got it. Like, I, I don't know how much I know there is so much bad allowed. I, I can't fathom how much bad God has prevented simply by not answering prayers in the affirmative. So that's, that's I suppose, one end of the spectrum, like of, of, of unanswered prayers. Like why, why doesn't God stop the bad? The other side of that spectrum is, why does God seem to hold back the good? Like certainly these blessings would make the most sense. Sometimes we have the same arguments too. God, I've been doing all the right things. God, I've, I'm saying the right things. I'm giving the right thing. I'm, I'm doing all the right stuff. Clearly you can see this need here. Why? I mean, I see it as a need, so certainly you will. Like what? Why does God, 
mean, if God wants to bless us, wouldn't he just do that? Why would we need to pray about it? Like, as I follow this out, is God just an egomaniac who needs us to come before him and tell him how awesome he is and to grovel and then he'll bless us? Like, I, I would love to give you what you want, but I'm gonna need a little more of that electric guitar this time. Like, we all do like a little more electric guitar. Just say it. That's, how do we picture God engaging with, with these prayers? Again, Tim Keller. God often waits to give a blessing until you have prayed for it. Why? Good things that we do not ask for will usually be interpreted by our hearts as the fruit of our own wisdom and diligence. Gifts from God that are not acknowledged as such are deadly to the soul because they thicken the illusion of self-sufficiency that leads to overconfidence and sets us up for failure. And whatever God is going to do, he is not going to set us up for failure. We need to be formed to grow We all need to grow. And who better to do that than the one who formed us in the first place? But to grow and to to let God grow us means a submission, to submit ourselves to that process, to that formation. Because here's the thing, God will let you grow yourself. He will let you grow yourself with your own logic and your own perspective and your own priorities. He he will allow you to go to any number of other influences. He'll allow you to be discipled by other things. He will let you make that choice. He loves you too much to force you to be formed. So we submit to that. We submit to being with, to being formed, to letting God's spirit work in us. And the good news is that God can be trusted to be faithful, to stay with us, to do this work for our good because the creator of the universe is on our side, is on your side, wanting and working good for you. Uh, and as I say that, for some of you, a verse comes to mind. And so uh, since Tim Keller already referenced it, we'll just read it. This is Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Uh, Again, many of you know this verse. It's one we like to pull out just like this, where we sort of pull it out, we put it up on a screen or on some decor in our house, um, or we uh, pepper it into conversation. And and, um, we say that, especially when we're we're using it in a conversation or something, we we say it to to communicate that everything is going to be okay. I know you're going through bad stuff, but God turns all of it to good. It's, it's all going to work out eventually. And that's true. 
It is. Not just from this verse, but we see that littered throughout scripture, that truth. But I think we lose a lot when we pull something like this out of context. If we go back 10 verses before this, what we're gonna find is that Paul is talking about the human condition and the the condition of being poisoned by sin, by having this disease of sin in all of creation and all of humanity. And he says, creation and humanity is groaning from the pain caused by sin, from the pain that we cause each other, but also groaning in longing for something better, for some better future, for something that God has promised us, some different way of life. All of creation, all of humanity is groaning. And he talks about this broken condition, this cursed sin that we carry. And then he turns immediately to prayer. In verse 26 of Romans chapter eight, He says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. All these weaknesses he's been talking about. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. All of creation is groaning. All of humanity, there's something in our hearts and our souls that groans from the pain and the desire for something better. And Paul says, and the spirit of God comes right alongside us and groans right along with us. Yes, there's a recognition, a compassion of the hurt, but there's also this desire for something more that God has promised. And God also wants the good that is coming. He longs for that day as well, even knowing that it is coming. The pains of life become our prayers to heaven and when we don't even know what to say, the spirit of God comes and just groans with us. And because the spirit of God is part of that Trinity, is part of the Godhead, is part of the will, the desires of of God, all of that is God with us, is God for us, is, is God uh, connected to himself and his will? Remember, God's desire is to work good for us, um, as we read in verse 28. And this includes God wanting to work good in us. That's some of this formation piece, forming us to, to pray for the glory of God and his will, even when we don't know what to pray. That when we go into prayer and we don't know what to say, the spirit of God is forming us and forming our desires uh, to line up with God's. And God's desire for good not only includes working in us, but a desire to work good with us. Uh, I've shared this before some number of months ago, but uh, Anglican theologian and professor N.T. Wright says that the Greek uh, that Romans 8, 28 was originally written in would be better translated this way. This is uh, his translation. We know, in fact, that God works all things together for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. That that the Greek language does not uh, communicate quite as much that we would just be sitting on the sideline and God is gonna do all this work for us, but that he invites us into it, that there is a withness, that that God is working good with those uh, who love him and are called according to his purpose. In other words, our heavenly father invites us into the family business. 
God wants to work good with us, which means we are now back to participation. Part of why we pray is because God wants to work with us. Because there is good in the world that God wants to do and God wants to work with us, defeating sin, bringing light to the darkness, undoing the consequences of this poison in this world. We're invited into the family business to see the healing, to see the restoring, to see the kingdom of God come alive around and among us. And even if you don't like uh, Dr. Wright's translation uh, of this, we can see this truth uh, throughout the story of scripture, going all the way back to some of the first pages and and God uh, taking the family of Abraham and saying, through you, uh, you're gonna be my people so that you may be a people to bless the nations. And then from that family line, a long ways down comes Jesus. And Jesus in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven gives what we call the Sermon on the Mount where he's setting up a whole new way to be human and a whole new way to do community. He's inviting them into some new way of life. And then after his death and resurrection, this group of people that has been formed by their time with Jesus and is being formed uh, by the work of the spirit in their lives, try to set up that kind of community to teach others that new way to be human so that they can be a blessing to the nations. Praying God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is one way that we participate in the mission. We connect to the real battle and we align ourselves with the God who has and will win the war. He invites us into the battle. The truth is that all of the spiritual armor and daily habits and good intentions won't matter if we're not in the right battle. Won't matter if we're not being formed in the process. Won't matter if we're not on the right mission. So as a daily practice, prayer is our response to God's offer to be with us, to form us, and to do good with us. However complicated we can make prayer, and we can make it very complicated, and it is a thing that we should take seriously. At its core, prayer is our response to God's offer to be with us, to form us, to do good with us. I saw it pointed out this week that it seems significant that one day Jesus' disciples went up to Jesus and they said, hey, can you teach us? And they didn't say, can you teach us how to preach? They didn't say, can you uh, teach us how to do all this miraculous healing stuff? That walking on water trick was cool. If you could teach us how to do that, that would be a neat party trick. No, they said, hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And so he gave them some words. We call them the Lord's Prayer. If you want to simply pray the Lord's Prayer, that is a fantastic place to start. All of our evangelical desire to not say rote things has made us discard some really good stuff, and that's one of them. Simply pray the Lord's Prayer or pray something like it in your own words. He taught them to pray our Father, to start with recognizing that we're in community and start with recognizing that God is personal and relational and wants to be with us, our, our Father. 
who is holy in heaven. God, would your kingdom show up here? Would, would the, your will be done here like it is in heaven where you just snap your fingers and things happen because you're the king? God, we want that to be true here. God, we know there's some spiritual battle thing going on. We want your kingdom to win. We want you to reign. God, would you reign in our lives, in our church? Would you be the king? Would it be about you above everything else? Father, would you forgive us? Not just me, definitely including me. Would you forgive us? Would you help us to forgive others because we're gonna be a different kind of community that isn't about blame and revenge but about forgiving and loving one another? And would you protect us from temptation because we know there's this battle going on and we know that we are tempted to join the wrong side. Our Father, would you guide us? Would you rule? Would you protect us? Would you forgive us? Would you help us to do all of those things right along with you? Prayer is our response to God's offer to be with us, to form us, to do good with us. It's our response to Jesus' offer that we come and follow him. Come and apprentice every day. It's our response to Holy Spirit's offer to say and do what we simply can't find the ability to do. So, come and be loved. Come and be formed and grow. Come and watch and participate as the kingdom of God grows around us. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask that you would heal us. We ask that whatever barriers we hold up between you and us, you would destroy them that whatever barriers or inhibitions we hold up between you and the work that you want to do in and through us, that they would disappear because you're in charge. Father, we ask that your will would be done in our lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our country. not our will, messed up by our desires and limited perspective. But God, we know the greatest desire we have is for your will to be done, for you to do the things in us and through us that you wanna do. And God, we ask that you would do through us, with us. God, thank you for the invitation to come and be with you and to work right alongside you. Forgive us for the ways we fall short. Empower us to forgive the people around us. Guard us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. 
You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.